You are listening to Feed 44, the official podcast channel of the Center for a Stateless Society. C4SS is an anarchist think tank and media center. For more information, please visit c4ss.org. Hello, I'm Tony Dreer, and this is Feed 44. Today I'm going to be doing the first in a series of three interviews with the Center for Stateless Society's interns. First up, we have Kelly V. Kelly V is a student at Tulane University in New Orleans, Louisiana, and has been writing for C4SS since March of this year. She describes herself as a vegan, individualist, anarcho-feminist whose views can best be described as Ayn Rand meets Emma Goldman. Hello, Kelly. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for Hi. having me. So in your bio, you mentioned coming from conservative roots to liberty after reading Alice Shrugged in 11th grade. Could you tell me a little more about your political development? How did you come to identify with market anarchism? Yeah, I mean, I was raised a uh, Christian conservative and in 11th grade, I mean, those were those were largely the views I had all through middle school and high school until until 11th grade when a professor of mine a teacher, I guess they're called in, in high school, assigned Atlas Shrugged to the class. The, the class was like a sort of philosophy, sort of English class, AP language and comp. And so I think I was one of the only kids in the class that actually made it through the entire book. But by the end, I was at least convinced that smaller government was better. And then from there, just kind of identified as a, as a loose objectivist and kind of libertarian and it wasn't it wasn't until college that I actually called myself a libertarian because at that point I was more accepting of things like gay marriage things like overturning anti-drug laws that kind of thing even at that stage though I was very neoconservative um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, very defensive of a war in general, especially in the Middle East, until a introduction to globalization class that I took in my freshman year. And my final project for the class was to write like a 10-page paper, which we had to pick an organization that had risen as a result of globalization to respond to the negative effects of globalization. At the time, being the still kind of conservative libertarian that I was, I was a big fan of globalization. I didn't want to pick an organization that countered the negative effects of globalization because I didn't want to talk about the real negative effects of globalization. So instead, I chose to do Al-Qaeda um, as my organization that rid that rose in response to Americanization of the Middle East, cultural Americanization was was my outlook. As I researched and learned, I got out of out of my stupid head <laughs> and and realized how awful war is, how long we've been involved in the Middle East. And from that paper, I started fully embracing libertarianism because to me, libertarianism necessarily includes being anti-war. I don't think you can be a libertarian and be pro-war. So, so that's a long story. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, I hope you don't mind. Um, 
So that was the end of my freshman year of college. So my sophomore year, I decided to start an Amer- a Young Americans for Liberty chapter at my campus. Um, so I still- there wasn't a, an existing libertarian group? No, there was no no existing libertarian group. So I started that group. <laughs> wasn't I wasn't extremely successful with it. I think there's there was a lot of bureaucracy to go through on campus. <laughs> Getting students involved in politics at Tulane is really difficult. Even even college Democrats have trouble with that, and they're easily the most um, represented group on campus. I started a Young Americans for Liberty chapter and well, sort of, I took it over from someone else who tried to start it and gave up and (laughs) (laughs) through sort of the process of getting acquainted with the group, I met someone named Noelle Mandel and she convinced me to join Students for Liberty, which is another awesome organization that I've had the pleasure of being involved with. I was a campus coordinator for a year last year, and this year I just don't have enough time for it. So she convinced me to join Students for Liberty, and she brought me to an event. And at that event, it, w- it was the first time I met an anarchist in real life. I, wow. I didn't know I didn't know they existed until <laughs> my sophomore year of college. And within a week of meeting that anarchist. I had multiple long conversations, both in person and on Facebook with people asking them about anarchism, asking them every single question I could think of to try to stump them. And within a week, I was an anarchist. Especially (laughs) in person. (laughs) So so, um, at that point, I was an anarcho-capitalist. It's still pretty conservative, I think. Um, what, uh, I guess, what arguments did you find most compelling? What were you, you just unable to, uh, you know, fall back on your conservative uh, roots to, to put down argument-wise? Well, at this point, I was still embracing some of the Randian ethics, like like object- objectivist ethics, uh, which are very, very egoist, very pro and individual liberty, individual empowerment. So um, I still love Ayn Rand, but um, <laughs> I, everyone's going to ha- hate me for saying that. No. Um, so, wow, I totally lost my train. Um, oh, regarding the arguments that really yes, push you. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I already have these, these objectivist ethics and then I, I became convinced Someone, someone made me read Rothbard, and I became convinced of those ethical arguments and found them really compatible with my objectivist ethics. And I felt like Rand just didn't really reach the right conclusions um, from her ethics. And because of that, it was, an, it was an easy transition. I had a lot of practical questions. I had to ask, who will build the roads? Who will, build, who will, who will do utilities? I couldn't even figure that one out. <laughs> um, <laughs> What about police? What about the military? What about gangs and and organized crime? Um, so I I feel bad for this person, Michael McCovey, and 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 Matt Kennedy both helped me with that. I don't. They probably won't watch this, but <laughs> <laughs> um, they they handled a lot of questions of mine. Then along came in November, Kathy Reisenwitz. 
uh, up until that point, I didn't realize you could be an anarcho-capitalist and a feminist at the same time. <laughs> a lot of people don't think that you can be. Um, I watched a lot of her videos, and then I became convinced of feminism. From from that point on, I started to read more lefty literature. I read some Emma Goldman, some Voltaire de Clare, because I was so interested in anarcho-feminism. And then this was around the time where there was this weird, brutalist, libertarian, humanit or humanitarian, weird yeah, with Jeffrey Tucker yeah. and like Walter Block and all of them. And Corey Massimino chimed in for the SFL blog and wrote a somewhat pizza themed um, <laughs> defense of thick libertarianism. And so I became convinced of thick libertarianism and I actually messaged him on Facebook the minute I read that article, I didn't know him in person. I was some for some reason Facebook friends, and I was like, I think I've seen this person's posts before. I really like this article. I'm going to message him. Long story short, we talked a lot um, every day. Now we've been dating for nine months, uh, <laughs> and and we're best friends for a long time before that. And he convinced me of market anarchism, made me more open to social justice issues critiques of capitalism and he he basically funneled my questions for a few months and then then i was here cool. so uh that's the long-winded tale i guess <laughs> give it a few more years i'm sure you can add a couple hours <laughs> um so i see that you're studying accounting at tulane uh, that sounds like a real hotbed of anarchist thought how's how's that going um I well I love accounting first of all I think it's really logical field um everything is like puzzle solving people people think that accounting is like bean counting you know but it, it really isn't especially in the field of public accounting where you're really fact checking detecting fraud ver verifying um that there are no mistakes it's very forensic in its approach and it's really really interesting and fun that said the regulatory environment for accounting is very cronyistic there i mean sarbanes-oxley in in 2002 really added a lot of regulations to the accounting field but also in, in doing so made like made the accounting field surge because we need more people to meet these regulations and who's going to pay for it. Not the accounting firms, but the clients. So uh, the accounting accounting field is very wrapped up in crony capitalism. Unfortunately, that said, I think that auditing and, and ver basically just, Basically, auditors are just a third party that come in and, and tell one party that what you said or tell the other party that what you said is right and that you're not lying and you're not making mistakes. So I think that's a really valuable field. And I think that it would still exist in an anarchist society. So I don't see what I do as conflicting with my anarchist beliefs at all. As far as within the school I tend to just do a lot more listening than talking because I don't, <laughs> I don't want to get in the middle. Like 
accounting is a field that um, really values integrity and is very rule based and upholding those rules is is like extremely important to me as a professional. So I don't want to come out in class and, and, and be, Oh, I'm an anarchist. And then instantly create this, this trust gap. Understandable. So, so yeah. um, (laughs) Tulane students generally aren't, aren't very politically interested, which can be a good thing as, as an anarchist, you know, the, I think the less people that vote, the better. Um, so if half my classmates aren't voting, then that's half the job done. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's fun. It's up and down. I'm I'm still excited about the work that I'm going to do. So I hope I can be involved in activism in some way when I'm in the working force, but it'll be a lot more difficult. One of the big projects that has been given to the interns is to research and answer some of C4SS's market anarchists frequently asked questions. Uh, what questions have you chosen and why do they interest you? Well, the questions that I chose, well, the, the first one I answered last month, uh, and that was, um, what is the difference between anarcho-capitalism and market anarchism? I chose that question because personally, uh, as someone who used to be an anarcho-capitalist, I used to not understand the difference, and now I do, and I identify as a market anarchist because I understand the difference. So making that clear to other people is really important to me. The the second question I have, which I'm working on right now, which is is due in a couple days, so I'm really, <laughs> as soon as I'm off of here, that's what I'm going to be working on is what are the ethical, let me, let me, let me find the question's exact wording. It's uh, what ethic, which ethical theory do market anarchists use? So that one's really interesting to me because I'm not a philosophy person. Like I, I don't have the opportunity to study philosophy. Uh, but that said, I talk about philosophy for hours every day with Corey. So um it's a topic that really interests me and it's something that I want to learn more about myself so that I can, I can really keep up in all, all my conversations with Corey, who is a philosophy major. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I've, I've learned a lot about ethics just from dating him and listening to him talk, but I want to do some more independent study on that. And so this is kind of helping me get a foot in there. My last question is, what is the market anarchist position on war? Which, as someone who is neoconservative for a long time, and as I, as I said earlier, that's a super important issue to me. I think that being anti-war and anti-imperialism is central to what we do towards the health of the state. It's mass murder. Uh, that sounds like a lot of buzzwords, but that's like at the core of it. So, so yeah, that's why I picked those three questions. I got the first pick because I was the first to respond. So, <laughs> In your short time writing for C4SS, you've covered topics ranging from sexism in the Avengers movies to the discrimination that neurodivergent people face for wanting to defend themselves. What would you like to write about that you haven't yet? Oh gosh. So I keep, I keep a list on my phone (laughs) of all the things that I want to write about every time I think of something. 
it's all over the place. Honestly, I have some that are not even related to anarchism on there that are mostly about feminism, which I don't really like have, have a place to publish yet because C4SS is uh, so anarchist oriented, but hopefully I'll, I'll find once I find a place I can put those, maybe I'll finally get around to writing them. <laughs> what else? So a while ago, I did a revisit of Emma Goldman's sex slavery. And I would like to revisit, or I'm sorry, Voltering declares sex slavery. I'd like to revisit some Emma Goldman articles in, in the same style. In your sex slavery revisited article, a big part of that article was how women were treated as they were in large part due to Puritanism. So do you see the fight against religion as a part of the fight against the state? Yeah, this is. <laughs> so my friends are going to be mad at me for saying this, like Wade, but I don't think that religion and anarchism are compatible. I think by accepting a higher moral authority than yourself, you are denying your own responsibilities to yourself and your own moral, your own moral responsibilities. You're relying on a ruler uh, to tell you what to do, to tell you how oh, to God, act. The whole point, yeah, exactly. I have a tattoo that says that. So. <laughs> no gods, no masters. Yeah, I definitely think those fights are one and the same. And I mean, there's no way that organized religion is compatible with anarchism. As for spiritual religion, I don't think it is because I think being an anarchist in, involves a commitment to rational thinking and logic. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. So a lot of your works have incorporated social justice concepts. Uh, what kind of reaction have you gotten from your efforts to synthesize those concepts with libertarianism? Well, that is always a tricky one. A lot of libertarians don't like it which is partially their fault and partially social justice um, proponents' fault because social justice does so often appear to be statist. And people who are fighting for social justice are often looking to the law to make these changes. And I don't support anti-discrimination laws. I don't support any kind, any kind of laws that force people to be nice or force people to be decent human beings. That said, I think that a flourishing society, for flourishing society, those things are necessary. And I think if we respect the moral authority of each individual, we need to recognize where the bounds of our knowledge lie um, as to other people's experiences and other people's oppressions. I do talk about social justice a lot because it took me so long to get there. It's funny. I, I think the pattern with my things that I write about is I write about whatever's newest to me. <laughs> and so um, the econ stuff I, I did so early on that now, now I just like to write about feminism and social justice and war. <laughs> well, I haven't written about war yet. I want to get to that. Um, I have a lot to say. So, <laughs> Well, I look forward to hearing it. 
I suppose I have one final question. Uh, you wrote an article about Black Widow's infertility as a tired trope, so jumping off from the ScarJo connection, how do you feel about her being cast as Major Motoko Kusanagi in the upcoming Ghost in the Shell movie? Oh my gosh, Corey's going to laugh so bad that you asked me that because I don't have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm a really relatively new to the, the comic book geekiness. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I, uh, so, so I don't, we'll see how it comes out. Okay. Okay. That's, that's (laughs) all right. Well, I want to thank you so much for doing this interview with feed 44 and we wish you all the best. Great. Thank you. You've been listening to Feed 44, the official podcast channel of the Center for a Stateless Society. C4SS is an anarchist think tank and media center. For more information, please visit c4ss.org.